What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and I'm delighted to be joined by two brilliant contributors. Vittorio Campanile, welcome back, mate. As always, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. What about yourself? Happy about this Arsenal, huh? Yeah, very much enjoying Arsenal's turnaround in form, for sure. Uh, Tommy is back. Tommy Milanese, welcome back to the programme, mate. How are you? It's been a while. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. I was actually, uh, I missed the first episodes where you were miserable for the Arsenal, but uh, <laughs> yeah, now things are different. Yeah, very, very different. And long may it continue. Uh, we've got plenty to get into today. Uh, great weekend of Serie A action again, and we're going to be talking through some of those big fixtures. But before we do that, I just wanted to get some reaction from the pair of you on the news that Antonio Conte is very close to joining Tottenham Hotspur. We're expecting an announcement uh, imminently. Let me come to you first, Vittorio, on this, because taking my Arsenal hat off, forget the Arsenal and Tottenham thing. Looking at this from the outside, I am really struggling to understand what has changed for Antonio Conte between the summer and now. Why do you think he's decided that Tottenham is now the right place for him? And was you surprised to learn that the talks are at this stage? Yeah, I was definitely surprised, even because the week before, it, it looks like he was very, very, very close to Manchester United, right? Uh, so if Man United would have lost against Tottenham, probably he would be now in Manchester instead. And Manchester would have made much more sense for Antonio Conte than Tottenham. No offence to Spurs fan, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably Paratici promised him something, said, you know, Get get here, and then in January we're gonna sign four or five key players, very important players, to give you the team. On the other side, maybe he was just bored to be out. Maybe he simply said, "I cannot stand it. I, I want to go back and coach a team." I think this summer he was hoping for a bigger team to come up and sign him, which didn't happen. And uh, you know, Manchester United could be an option, but who knows if things from now on will change and Solskjaer will keep the job. So maybe he thought, I, this is my only chance I have. Tommy, what about you? Because you know exactly how close Tottenham came to landing Antonio Conte in the summer. Was you surprised to see this kind of 
or, or this relationship again kind of reignite in, in terms of the talks and, and the conversation? Is it the Paratici factor, as, as Vittorio points out as well? Yeah, it's got to be. Um, I think it was it was very close in the summer, yeah. Uh, and I think you like the project, you like the challenge of it. Uh, as you well know, Conte always, he always likes to get teams that, uh, that you know, big teams with good potential, you know, good financial uh, and all that. But um, get them in a season where they're struggling with Juventus, Chelsea and, and Inter and all that. And all of that, he succeeded. So I think you really like the challenge. Um, and the aspect of it, you know, back in London, back in the Premier League. So I, can't, I wasn't surprised when it was close to us in the summer. But yes, I was surprised like you that um, after he said, if I said no and, and did right at the end, uh, then now, it, now it's back on. I think maybe um, one factor to consider that he might be, I have been impressed with Paratic's work on keeping Kane. Uh, that's a huge one. Obviously, when we were, when there were talks with, with Conte Spurs, there was still a huge question mark about Harry Kane. And maybe he didn't think he, that, you know, they would, they would be able to, to keep him. Obviously, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. So we'll never know. But I think he was probably impressed with that. And the transfer market as well hasn't been, of course, one of, one of those where you spend hundreds of millions, but it's been pretty good. And I think Spurs bought some players that will work well with um, Antonio Conte's formation. I'm thinking, for example, uh, Emerson Royal. Uh, he was rumored to be one of the, one of the players to replace Hakimi when, when he left to, to PSG. Uh, and I think, yeah, now we have, a, we have a pretty good squad. Sorry, I say we, because obviously Spurs is, my, is the team of support in the Premier League. And yeah, as you know, I've been with them for a while, but um, so yeah, I think I think we have a good squad, and Antonio Conte will will, will do well um, in the summer. Again, he was close. Maybe he wasn't quite sure we wouldn't be able to keep Kane and to to, to sign some good players. Now we've seen that, uh, and he probably like Antonio said, you probably also miss being being on the bench. So all these factors together made him made him realize that that's that's the right choice for him. Whether it will work or not, it'll, I think it'll be probably the toughest challenge of, of all the ones he got because obviously Juventus was in a bit of a tough place but it was on the high the trajectory was was on the high um, Inter in a similar way with the with the signings they made in the position they were uh, Chelsea also it, it struggled so much the season before but I don't think anyone expected to be anyone expected them to do as bad in, in the next season with them so all the challenges he faced were hard but I think this might be the hardest one for him yet yeah, I think it will be the hardest one for him. And I was having a conversation um, on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast last night with a good friend of mine who's a, a Spurs fan. And one of the things I was saying, and, and not to make this into a Tottenham podcast, we'll move on in just a second. But one of the things I kept saying was, I get that if the opportunity comes to sign a manager of Antonio Conte's quality, you have to do it, right? You can't miss that opportunity. Absolutely. There's no doubt that he's an upgrade on Nuno Espirito Santo. My only thing is that I think Tottenham need a re rebuild. And sometimes you have to really strip it back and start from the beginning. And to make a comparison, if you look at what Arsenal are doing, and I know it hasn't worked yet, right? We're, we're not going to know until three, four years down the line whether this new rebuild with young players is, is the right way to go. But I think Tottenham, in hiring Antonio Conte now, are kind of skipping that phase skipping that stage of stripping it all back and hoping that Antonio Conte's quality will get them up to the level that they need to be. But sometimes that's not enough alone. And that's why I'm not saying it's going to, he's going to be a flop, but I've got reservations over whether this project is going to work. You spoke about Inter, Juve, 
when he went into those clubs, they were in much better shape in terms of personnel than Tottenham yeah. are now. And Harry Kane has stayed, but Harry Kane has not been Harry Kane this season. He couldn't look more disinterested. So I yeah, think that's it's going to be a, a, a big task for him, really big task. I know what you mean. It's a bit, what you're trying to say is like, it's another Mourinho signing, like win now rather than yeah. kind of rebuild. And I get that. But I think it's, I think it's a bit different this time. Um, even when he went to Juventus, yeah, he did win almost straight away because the level of Serie A by then was probably the lowest it's been in the last 30 years. But even then, it took him a few years to kind of reach the top of his, top of his game, you know, and actually being, um, yeah, a, a team that can compete in Europe, and, you know, as good as, as they were. So, yeah, Antonio Conte might not be the right manager for the slow rebuild, but at the same time, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that if he doesn't win this, obviously, what well, not this season, but if he doesn't mean straight away, he will lose again and, you know, and Spurs will be in the same position as now. I think he could be capable of, of, of that and also to get the best of a hurricane. He's another manager like, like Mourinho was that knows how to get the best of the strikers. Uh, he, he made some, some strikers perform incredibly well. Like I'm thinking Llorente, or, you know, Juventus, Diego Costa, but obviously Lukaku is a world-class striker, but I think he'll do well with Kane. I think he'll do well with the players he has. Again, he might not win anything straight away and then maybe that's fine with him. Uh, he's, he's reached, he's reached an age now. Conte is not really a young manager anymore. Uh, and I think he might be happy to stay that a few years and maybe, you know, kind of, you know, create a little bit of a journey. Vittorio, just finally on this, in this Conte to Tottenham thing, the rumour is that it's an 18-month contract. Yeah. Now, does that say to you that Antonio Conte himself has reservations around whether this is going to work? Because normally, managers go for the long contract to protect themselves in the event that they get sacked, right? The longer your contract, the bigger the payout. So why would someone like Conte, and we're assuming that it's him that's, asked for the 18 months because if you're Tottenham you want to time down for as long as possible why do you think do you think that tells us that he's got reservations about whether this is the right job or not yeah maybe it's a temporary solution you know I didn't find nothing at the moment but maybe in 18 months Barcelona will be back and they will look for a good manager Man United maybe etc so maybe he's it's his way to be uh, free and ready uh, at the same time uh, I don't like the comparison Tommy's making Mourinho-Conte. Uh, Mourinho is a manager, and we are going to talk, I think, later about that, who is going down and uh, failed for me at Tottenham, while Conte is probably maybe one of the top five managers at the moment in Europe. I don't know if you agree with me, but I'd say one so. of the best, definitely. While Mourinho was went to Tottenham after failing at Chelsea, Man United, and so on. So, uh, yes, both very charismatic, but Conte is probably the best manager Tottenham had in the last 20 years or so. Well, yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to compare it. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt. But the only comparison I made is, is like that kind of manager you get when you want to win straight away rather than doing a slow rebuild. So that's, that's the only thing I said. But yeah, I agree yeah, that yeah. completely different I, I managers. I mean, both managers that prefer... Uh, senior players, players with experience more than rely on youngster, right? Both of them has this issue. Uh, maybe Conte even more than, uh, than Mourinho. But I think with Conte, you can improve your team. You can have players playing better, right? Uh, check Lukaku with, with Chelsea. With, with, uh, with Conte, he was a goal machine. And now with Chelsea, he's struggling. So I think that w- this will be an upgrade. But 
I think that he's there because he was missing the pitch. And as soon as another big team will be available, maybe he he leave if if he thinks things are not turning how he wanted to. Uh, I think the rumors are saying that that probably is another option for an extra year as well. Uh, and another reason might be, uh, I agree with Tori, but another reason might be that um, maybe he's not 100% sure about the financial backing that he's been promised because I assume he's been promised something. Um, otherwise, he probably wouldn't accept. And maybe he wants to, you know, have a, a, a visual solution whether, you know, to see if that's actually true. I'm sure he has some names on the table. I'm thinking Brozovic, Vlahovic, um, the Vrai, there these are the rumored ones and they will all fit perfectly with his, which is, um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, yeah, they will fit perfectly with, with this style of play. So I think he wants to maybe also weigh is he, am I actually going to get these players? Let's see. Because obviously, thinking, you know, we're not famous for Spurs, is not famous for buying big in, in the transfer market. You're thinking the Vrai, Brozovic, Vlavic. I'm thinking Victor Moses, Ashley Young. <laughs> good stuff uh, let's move on let's talk about this weekend Serie A action then and let's begin with the 2-2 draw between Atalanta and Lazio uh, Vittorio your side Lazio had the lead twice in this one but ended up leaving uh, Bergamo with just a point um, tell us how it went was you disappointed that Lazio didn't leave with more well, you know, it's it's a little bit difficult because uh, obviously disappointed because Lazio was ahead and Atalanta find the, the goal in really the last second of the match. But on the other side, impressed because if you take off the first 25 minutes where Atalanta dominated the match, then Lazio went in control of the match. And against Atalanta, it's not very easy, especially this Lazio that is rebuilding with Maurizio Sarri. So I was really impressed uh, about the performance in the second half, Lazio had a couple of chances to close the match. They they failed to do it, and Atalanta find a way to equalize. But really impressed by the performance. I think finally Lazio's finding uh, is learning what Sari wants, and you know, putting the, this pressure, creating all these chances against Atalanta, it, it's it's very promising. On the other side, two silly mistakes, I would say allowed Atalanta to score twice. So this is where Lazio have to work, but definitely impressed because in the past couple of years, Lazio always struggled mighty against Atalanta. And finally, this way, this time, Lazio, I think, played much better than Atalanta. So positive on the play, but yes, uh, getting out only one point is not what I was hoping for. Yeah, when you take the lead twice and, and like you say, concede yeah. in the 94th minute, it is frustrating. Tommy, you're not a Lazio man. So looking from the outside no. in... He definitely no. He's shaking his head there. Um, you're not a Lazio man. So looking at Lazio from the outside under Maurizio Sarri, what have you made of them? And, and are you of the kind of opinion, like many are, that it's going to take time because the styles between Sarri and Inzaghi are just so different? Yeah, it's a, it, Lazio is a difficult team to read, in my opinion. I remember the first episode we've done of this season of, of Simpseria, and we all agreed that of all the new managers in the top seven, Sarri was going to be the one that was going to take the longest to uh, adapt. Um, I feel like they, they underperformed in, in this first half of the season. And this performance with um, Atalanta and, and the game before as well, um, they, there were definitely signs of improvement. 
and great improvement. But uh, Lazio is a weird team because they they perform they seem to perform well with the with the big teams. Uh, they they yeah. obviously beat Roma, um, almost beat Atalanta. They play very well with um, with Inter um, Milan. But then they still struggle with smaller teams than maybe um, like Bologna, Verona, that they press high. And uh, Sarri has always had big issues with, with teams that press high. And so it's definitely an improvement, what we've seen, the performances and the results. But he still needs to prove it to, to, to win the games that he needs to win. Um, I think this season in Serie A, the level is slightly lower than it was because teams like both Atalanta and Lazio are not quite... As strong as they were last season, they weren't. Quite, they're not quite the threat that they were, um, and la- and so that means that the, the the battle for the top four is is wide open. And if Lazio wants to be that team to to, to get that last place for the Champions League, then he needs to win these te- these games that he must win again, like Bologna, Verona, Sassuolo, Udinese. And yeah, he hasn't really done it so far. He showed um, he, he struggled a little bit, like I said, with teams that press high. So there's still a lot of work to be done. But I think the, the last couple of games have definitely been an improvement. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, moving on to Verona versus Juventus. You mentioned Verona there. They obviously defeated Juventus this weekend by two goals to one. Uh, Giovanni Simeone with two goals inside the first 15 minutes. Weston McKennie pulled one back with 10 minutes to go for Juve, but they were unable to find an equaliser. Um, Vittorio, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how Juve were, you know, they went through a phase, they started winning 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, and we thought maybe it's finally starting to click into gear, but it's not been the case at all, has it, for for Max Allegri's side. Is it looking like a mistake now, or is it too early to say? Because there was this huge hype around Allegri's return, and people were in some quarters, describing Juve as as the title favourites, despite how far off the pace they were last season, because of the Allegri factor. Do you think they've made a mistake in bringing him back, or is it too early to say? Well, uh, probably they made a mistake. Uh, One thing is, uh, Allegri's football is getting a little bit too old. Uh, Now you see even in Serie A, a lot of teams, even the small one, are fighting to score one goal more than the other, instead of allowing one less. And uh, so Allegri is struggling. Plus, and we said it often, this Juventus midfield is simply terrible, awful. Lack of talent is is everywhere in this team. Um, Allegri is not a magician. He needs quality players. And I don't think Juventus have them. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I never love comebacks like Allegri coming back to Juventus. So I don't know if that was a, a huge mistake. It's all Allegri's fault. I think the players have huge responsibility. I don't know. I, I think this Juventus will struggle to get to the Champions League this season if nothing happened this January. If they don't sign quality players this January, they really struggle. And you can see Juventus won four matches in a row, but never convinced me. They always struggle. Yeah. They always being very lucky to find the, the way to win these matches. And when things doesn't... If they're not lucky, they, they lose. Morata is not scoring. Uh, Dybala is often injured. Um, McKenny is not convincing me a lot. Um, you know, I don't see a player that say, OK, this is the Juventus type of player. They still have Kilin and Bonucci that are the ones that are making the difference. But apart from them, they're a very old team. And I don't know. If you see... Inter and the other teams, they have more depth, they have more quality. 
Tommy, what's your take on on Juventus under Allegri part two so far? I think Juventus is a team that has a lot of issues that are much bigger than the lack of talented players. Because, yeah, obviously their squad is not as brilliant uh, as, it, as it used to be in terms of individuals, but it definitely has the potential to do much, much better than they're doing. Um, it's, I think it's a lot to do with the, with the mental side of football. Uh, if you see the first goal from Verona, there's one replay of it that it's literally, uh, you, you don't see in the normal, in the normal replay. If, but there's one angle that really shows the state of this team right now. Um, they're defending obviously deep as they always do. They get the ball back. It goes to Kuluzeski, who's trying to, um, send it high to Morata. The whole defense and the field, which are in the same line. So seven, eight people that are literally walking. And the ball obviously bounces off someone and then goes to Barak and then, you know, Simeone and the goal. The Juventus defender is literally walking as if no one is trying to, you know, get the ball or, you know, get in position or move a little bit. They're just happy for Kuluzeski to just smash it high to, to Morata and they're literally doing nothing. I'll send you the link. It's, it's, it's really funny. So I think there's a lot of problems at that team that is more than individuals. Um, they they got to do something to to, to change. Uh, one nil is not enough. In Serie A, Vittorio said that the small teams are getting more modern than Allegri. There are teams that press high. There are teams like Udinese that wait for you a bit deeper. You have to be able to win against everyone. You can't just score one goal and defend. You can't score one goal and substitute your probably the, the best Italian player um, at the moment, which is Chiesa, which is a very attacking player for Rabiot or Bentancur, which is a much more defensive uh, player. There's a lot, there's a lot to change that, but um, it will, it will take some time. It, it's probably the time for Juventus where their cycle of winning is, is over and they need to start another one. And as we say, for, for a lot of teams who were talking about Spurs earlier, I don't know that obviously they had, they haven't been you know winning well, nearly as much as Juventus, but when we're talking about a cycle ending, it's always hard to start, to start another one and um, players like Kilin and Bonucci from, from the old cycle they're still there uh, and they're not, they're not quite doing enough um, to, 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 to restart it would take some time for Juventus um, I don't think it was a mistake for Allegri to be rehired he, he can be the, the, the manager that, that will be there for years and not necessarily need you know, very expensive players because Juventus is also in the financial issues a bit like, a bit like Barcelona not, not as bad but uh, they are facing some issues as well so they're not going to go out and buy incredible players so um, so yeah that's not the way they're going to fix the problems by just buying uh, very expensive and talented players yeah but I don't think Allegri is the right manager to do it right football is evolving and he's you know didn't evolve uh, uh, with the football and he has a huge contract you mentioned the financial situation. I don't think they can sack Allegri now because of his contract. And at the same time, they try to change. They sign Rabiot, they sign uh, uh, McKenney, they try to sign Youngster, but not all of them are good. I think Chiesa is probably the best player they have now with Dybala, but Bernardeschi is not good. Um, a lot of other players they sign. Rugani, you remember, we, we forgot to mention Rugani. He he came from Empoli and people were saying, yeah, this is the new central defender for Italy for the next 10 years. He's hardly playing. Uh, they give up on, uh, on Buffon and Chesney and Perin are playing badly. So they try to uh, change things, but they, they have been terrible. Terrible signing, spent a lot of money, wasted a lot of money, I would say. And now they're stuck with Allegri because again, 
They cannot fire Allegri. And this week, there were uh, newspapers saying, wow, maybe you have to reevaluate Pirlo because we will say that it, we all blame Pirlo. Maybe, you know, he, he, he wasn't all that bad because look what Allegri is doing. I think Pirlo is not, wasn't ready for Juventus, but, you know, Allegri is nearly doing worse than Pirlo. So, you know, you think, well, maybe it wasn't all Pirlo's fault. Yeah, Allegri is 100% not going to get sacked, like you said, because we can't afford it. But in my opinion, it wouldn't be the right choice, even if they could afford it. No. Um, unless, of course, they could get, you know, someone someone like Conte again. Uh, but I, I think... Spirito uh, Santo is available. Uh, well, he is available, yeah. Um, but and I do think Allegri, uh, it will, you know, we realise that it, the way he's playing is wrong, defend, being too defensive try to win 1-0, not, you know, we realise it. So I'm sure he realises it too. And I think he's the, he's the kind of manager that he's able to evolve. He he evolved a little bit from when he played, when it was in Milan to Juventus. He changed, he changed, he changed things. I think he's one, not one of those managers that stay with his ideas and he'd rather lose every single game and get sacked but keep his ideas. I think he's, he's a manager that is willing to adapt and evolve and I think he will because it's something clearly is not working. Um, and I do think there are there are high contenders to still to to, to get that, that top four the, the fourth spot. They're only four points away, um, yeah. and yeah, I think I think they could, they, could, they will be able to do it, and that will be a good a good result. Obviously, Juventus fans are used to win every single season, so they might not be seen as a great result. But for the situation they are now, uh, they are in a transition moment. Still get the top four, still get the money for the Champions League and exposure and you know partners deals, all of that. Is still a good result, and I think he's, he's, he's still the right man to do that at the moment. I don't know if they can get in the first four position. And the thing is, we were considering Ronaldo last year, saying, "Well, he's not the same Ronaldo." I think you know, seeing how Juventus was playing last year and how they're playing this year, I think Ronaldo uh, was the reason why Juventus got in the Champions League. And without him, we can see all the problem this team have and this problem that Ronaldo, thanks to his quality, was, uh, you know, hiding and uh, people couldn't see it. So even losing Ronaldo like they did this summer, that was a huge problem for Juventus. And again, Keane wasn't the answer, wasn't the solution to, to, to Ronaldo. And again, this, for me, it's... You had... You could have gone and get Icardi. I know it was very difficult, but a club like Juventus should have signed Icardi instead of Keane. And they paid a lot of money for Keane. And I don't think he's the, he's the solution. Mm. I mean, just before we move on from this game, I think it would be wrong not to mention Giovanni Simeone uh, because, of course, he got a couple of goals uh, in this one. He's got eight goals in Serie A this season in just 10 appearances, three assists as well. Um, 26 years old, so he's not you know, a youngster, if you like, but he is a player that's starting to catch the eye a little bit. Uh, Tommy, what, what's your take on him? I think Simeone's uh, current form is, is really shows how um, for a striker, for all, all positions really, but for a striker more than under position, the, men, the, the mental side is, is completely, the, you know, the most important thing for a striker. Um, and again, for every every position is that way. But as a striker, you you really need to be in you know there with your head. Um, he's always been the player that showed you know signs of being a good striker. Uh, firstly at Genoa, then he didn't do. Then he did a you know big step to Fiorentina, didn't perform very well. Go to Cagliari, so and so. 
Now in Verona, yeah, he scored six goals in the last, I don't know, what is it, 80 minutes of playing, but uh, it doesn't mean, it's, you know, it's going to continue that way and, and, and you know, become a top scorer. He's always been um, a, good, a good striker for a, mid, a middle team, Serie A team. Um, but inconsistency has, has always been his biggest uh, his biggest flaw. Like I said, the general was very good, and if Fiorentina not so much, then yes, again, it's always been very inconsistent. Now he's, um, I think he's benefit he's benefiting from the fact that Verona is in, uh, is doing something incredible. Like this is something I always wanted to say about this game. Um, Tudor is is doing an incredible job. He he got Verona that were bottom last because Di Francesco didn't. I, I don't think he won a single game. Um, nope. And he, yeah, he got this team that was in an awful position after Juric, that was a great manager, was there for a few years and did something, you know, incredible for, for the team they are. Then a new manager, and he does terribly and he has to pick them up. It's such a difficult job. And he hasn't, he had only lost one game to the, which is against AC Milan away, which is a game that also they were winning 2-1 and they ended up losing for, for a very unlucky own goal. So, it could have well been another draw there. You know, that's the only game he lost. Tudor is doing an incredible job with the players he has. So the whole team is playing better. I'm, playing, I'm thinking uh, Caprari is another player that has always shown to be very good technically, but very, very inconsistent. And again, yeah. he's performing incredibly well. He's um, fitting the role of Zaccagni, playing a bit different, of course, but he's doing that role right almost as good as him at the moment. Of course, the, the season is still long, but at the moment, it's, it's been just as good as him. Barak is, you know, had a great season last season. He's keeping the same level. So, yeah, he's getting the best out of the players. And I think Simeone is really benefiting from, from everything that's happening around him within the team. Yeah, certainly look a much better unit. Uh, completely agreed. Uh, moving on to some of Sunday's games. Let's start with Inter versus Udinese. Um, Inter... It took them until the hour mark to break down Udinese. Um, I wasn't sure if Inter were going to get over the line in this one when I was watching it. I've got to be honest, that it just had that feeling to it. But that's what good sides do, don't they, Vittorio? They they keep going, they keep plugging away. And uh, a former Lazio man, Joaquin Correa, popped up with two goals in the space of eight minutes to ensure that Inter took all three points. They're quietly going about their business, Inter, aren't they? They they would still look at the table despite the gap between themselves, Napoli and Milan, and feel as though if they put a run together, they can, you know, they they're still in with a shout for the Scudetto. Yes, definitely they are. Definitely they are. I think they have the best team, but obviously uh, they lost points so far. So Milan and Napoli are unstoppable at the moment. So it's going to be interesting because the derby is coming up. So that that could be a uh, turning point of the season. But uh, Correa is this one. He pretty much didn't touch a ball, didn't do nothing in the first half and then decided the match in the second half. Uh, incredible, talented player, but sometimes he's simply not interesting in playing. So this is what happened with Correa. And um, I-, I saw him playing for Lazio for in the last three years and I know what type of player he is. He can win matches and disappeared for 60 minutes. So, uh, again, Inter has a big quality, a lot of talent. Udinese, it's it's a tough team. Uh, Udinese can be quite complicated to beat. So, you know, finding a way to win like that is really, really important. It's really, really good for the team, give you confidence. And uh, Inter has a tough match in the Champions League. And winning like this, it's, uh, it's really important for Inzaghi and for the rest of the team. And it's important for Correa because he started the season very well, scoring immediately. Then he had a moment where 
uh, he got back to his issue, right? Disappearing, not playing very uh, focused. And then these two goals are very important for him and for the team. So I think Inter will be fighting for the Scudetto till the end. Yeah, I think so too. Tommy, do you share that view that although there is a seven-point gap between themselves and the top two at the minute, that over the course of this season, their quality will probably show through and they will be there or thereabouts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Inzaghi need a little time to uh, to adapt his 3-5-2 compared to the 3-5-2 they were playing with, with Conte. It took a little bit of time, but um, yeah, they, they've definitely shown some, some great football lately. And they have very good news. The, the fact that Correa can be decisive in a very difficult game because Udinese is one of the teams that defends the deepest and they're very good defensively in general. So yeah, the fact that Correa can single-handedly really uh, solve a, 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 team, a game like that is very important and even players like Sanchez who is you know where no one really think of him as a, as a threat but um, the game before that against Empoli he is the one probably played the best and great assist that means Jacko is Jacko is, is was a quite big question mark but he's he's outperforming in my opinion scoring a lot of goals and being very beneficial for the team Lautaro is is a, is a for me is one of the best strikers in Europe at the moment so they have a lot of attacking attacking options and and they're all working at the moment they're all performing well and they're all um, uh, you know playing well with you know, different couples like Lautaro and Dzeko will be the, the starting one but also Lautaro and Sanchez or Dzeko and Correa Nzagi tried a lot of different ones and most of them look like they're working so that's definitely good news um, the derby next week will definitely be a turning point for the season if that if they will lose that, um, it will definitely impact the moral for 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 the for the rest of uh, of this first half of the season. But equally, if they win, there will definitely be there, there will only be a few points behind Milan, and yeah, the, yeah you know, they'll be flying. They, they lost points against Juventus and Lazio, which you know was a big surprise. Seeing Juventus playing like that, you know, you, you couldn't expect this this performance against Lazio. I thought Inter played well in the first half, but then struggle. So I don't know what's going on. I think they have plenty of depth, even in defense, midfield, etc. But they have to show it in big matches, which didn't happen this season yet. Well, with Juventus, yeah. I think they, they, they deserve to win. And I mean, I don't want to get into referee talks. I really hate talking about it. But I mean, uh, yeah, that penalty was, was very generous. And I think they should have probably ended with a 2-0. Uh, yeah, but just before that. the second half. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, well, I think yeah, it's, it will still take some a little time. But um, yeah, against Milan will be a, a huge test to, to see that if they're mature enough or not. Yeah, it's a huge game because, as we mentioned, seven points is the difference between Inter and Milan at the moment. They could close that gap to potentially four points, or it could extend to thirteen. Um, so it's a big game for Inter, bigger game for Inter than it is for Milan. That's for sure. Um, going into that one at the weekend. So very much looking forward to that one. And of course, we'll be unpacking it uh, on the following Tuesday. Uh, Napoli continued their run. Um, and I've got to say, again, I got that feeling that they might not pick up all three points at very Absolutely. points in this game. I was sure it was going to be a draw. Uh, after after watching the first 25, 30 minutes, I, this is going to be a nil-nil. Um, but yeah, they managed to go through it, and that's that's what winning teams are into. You know, the teams that win the league 
they go through these games when they struggle. Another one I'm thinking of it was a few weeks ago against Torino away. It's another yeah. very, very difficult team to play. Juric is one of my favorite managers in, in, in the league. Uh, it's so tough to, to play against them. And again, they were struggling. They, they had a lot of chances, even more than the Salernitana. I think they hit the post once, all of that. And then in the end, again, they managed to find the goal and, and to, get, to get the three points out of that. It's it's a it's a huge sign that they are really ready to to fight for for that for the for the league. If you if you perform well with the big teams and you manage to win this team against these teams that you struggle that they're very hard to play against and that you're struggling for whatever reason, it, it really means you're a winning team. But the most impressive thing for me about Napoli is they conceded three goals in eleven games. Yeah. Mind blowing! Like three goals in eleven games is like one of the best defenses I've ever, I, I remember in the in the in the recent history. Um, the whole back four is performing incredibly. Like Koulibaly is back to his best, absolutely. Uh, a player like Ramani, uh, who knew was going to become what he is now. Di Lorenzo, Mar- Mario Rui, I, I didn't think much of him. In- incredible, honestly. The work Spalletti has been doing is mind blowing to me. Yes, but they have to prove it against big team. I mean, uh, they allow they struggle against Roma. I didn't expect that. They struggle against Juventus. They won because Juventus made two mistakes. So uh, I was expecting Napoli to dominate this match b- before it started because Salernitana it's it's not a good team. They they have been struggling a lot. So I was surprised to see Napoli struggling that much. But they have been they had a good fixture, I would say, because. Of the top team, if I'm not wrong, they they only played against Juventus and 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 uh, Roma, and they beat Juventus, which is the weakest team of the top seven, I think, at the moment, and they draw against Roma. So they have to prove it against big team, but you know, I think this Napoli team, like last year, had everything to win it. Last year, I didn't think they had the right manager. This year, with Spalletti, is completely different. But now they have to prove it against big team, because. I thought the Roma-Napoli was a test and for me they didn't pass it. So uh, I'm looking forward for the coming matches against big team because there's where we're going to see if the team is ready to win the Scudetto. And let's not forget they have uh, the, the African Cup coming on in January and they will lose a lot of key players. So let's see how they cope with that uh, this winter. Yeah, looking at their fixtures, uh, looking ahead to no, the rest of November, they play uh, Inter away on Sunday, the 21st of November. They then face Lazio at home on the 28th. Um, then they're away to Sassuolo. Then they're at home to Atalanta. So there are some difficult fixtures to come. In bet- after that Atalanta fixture, they play Empoli and then they go away to Milan. So I think we're going to get a little bit more of an understanding as to how strong this Napoli side are over the next couple of months. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, so Napoli continued their winning run, as we said. And uh, let's look at the final game of the week. Well, not of the weekend, of the Sunday uh, between Roma and Milan. Uh, Milan raced into a two-goal lead and it looked as though it was all uh, going to be light work. It looked as though they were going to um, get over the line pretty comfortably. Roma pulled the goal back and made it a nervy finish. Um, but Vittorio, Zlatan Ibrahimovic again shows what a difference maker he can be, even at the age of 40. I think it was his 400th league domestic goal, uh, domestic league goal, I should say. Um, incredible player, incredible man, and, and he just keeps going. Yes, uh, incredible. 
um, this was a huge test for me for for both team Roma and Milan because Ro- Milan kept winning but they have been a little bit lucky uh, Tommy was mentioned they beat Verona uh, and again they were 2-0 down and they found a way to win with a known goal etc so they have been a little bit lucky so this was an important test and I thought they passed it uh, very well they have so many players missing uh, and still they for me, they dominated the match till they were uh, 11 match on the pitch. So, uh, Ibrahimo was impressive, but I still think that the goal Ibra scored was a mistake from Rui Patricio. You cannot move uh, that fast, that early on a free kick and uh, Ibra punish him. But Milan dominated. I thought they could have scored more. And uh, again, another um, Roma in the last two years, I think they beat only one big team so far. So this is another problem Roma is facing. But again, every time we say, I don't know how much this Milan will keep going and they keep going, they find a way to win and they deserve it this time against Roma. So really, really impressed by this team. Tommy, I, I was impressed by Milan, obviously, but I was also frustrated by Roma. Is that fair to say that Roma, especially in that first half, were very, I guess they gave up a lot of territory. The, the midfield seemed non-existent at times and Milan were constantly picking up the ball and cutting through them, driving players like Rafael Leao, who when he picks up the ball and runs at someone, just seems to create chaos every single time, just to name one of the players, you know. But I felt like Roma made it easy for Milan. That's not to take anything away from them, but Roma were disappointed in my opinion. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, Roma, against, as we were saying before, for these big teams, so top seven teams, the biggest tests, the big tests are playing against the big teams, of course. Um, and Roma has showed that they're not, they're not quite there yet. Um, and they're probably not, at least in my opinion, one of the favourites to, to catch that fourth spot um, for, for the Champions League. Um, I think they are struggling a little bit, especially to create chances and to create goals. Um, the, the players up front, um, we talked about how Abraham is, is a great player to create space and, and to play for the team. Um, but I can't really see too many goal-scoring threats in this Roma team. Um, I, w- I had expectations for what Mourinho was going to do with Daniolo, for example, a great player with great talent. It hasn't quite worked yet. Um, he had a great game in the derby, but again, he didn't score or he didn't really um, create too much. He had some good games here and there. I don't think he has scored yet. So no. he's an- an- another player I'm thinking is Mkhitaryan, which last season was by far the most important for, for Roma. Um, the one that scored the most, I believe, and and it was just a great player to create chances for others and and you know for other players to play around them. Um, they are they are these three players. Um, they can they can perform. They have to perform better for Roma. They it's just not good enough, really. Um, what what they're creating. Um, so yeah, I don't really know a, what a way out for Roma could be. Um, I think they simply not just not. Um, a top four team at the moment. They they're probably they probably they will be good enough for uh, top six or so Europa League, um, but they're not quite yet. If they play against teams like um, Inter, Milan, Napoli, I think they're going to struggle. With Napoli, they did pretty well to to keep them bay. But again, other than one chance where they hit the post with loads of bounces, I don't think they they created too much. And 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 again, um, Jose's got a lot of work to do if, if he wants them to do that 
step up and to, to become, to, you know, to go to the next level. Victoria, did we see signs of what Jose Mourinho seems to become after the first sort of 10 games of every season, which is he starts off as a charmer, um, you know, sits in front of the press, has them basically eating out of the palm of his hand. And then we start to see that prickly side of Mourinho, which I think has been a problem in recent years. Did did we start to see that again off the back of that defeat in, in terms of his media work after the game? Well, against Lazio in a derby, he didn't pretty much speak after the match, right? He said, uh, blame the referee, blah, 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 etc. Against Juventus was pretty much the same thing. And against Milan, the same thing. He blamed the ref. But we can talk about the ref later. But we have to say that AC Milan dominated the match for at least 70 minutes. It was only Milan. And he's very good because he hide everything, all the problems, and blame the ref. How long can this go further? Because, I mean, people are uh, love Mourinho, but they're not stupid. They're going to say, hey, yeah, okay, the referee made a mistake, but how many saves did the, 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 the Milan goalkeeper made against us? None. Why a striker never hit the target, never, never tried to, to score, etc.? Uh, why Zaniolo, that is the best players we have, didn't score a goal in Serie A, and it's not the first three matches. We are in November and still didn't score. What's happening with Mikitarian? Why he was impressive last year and pretty much invisible this season? So there are a lot of question marks with Mourinho. And he can hide them all, talking about blaming the ref. But I don't think he can take it any longer. He has to face the truth and say, hey, this team has problems. We are not good enough, I don't know, uh, to play against big teams. Or there's something I, I do wrong. And this is the reason why we don't beat this team. Uh, blame the referee how long you want, but Milan deserved to win and play much better. And to be honest, you can blame the ref, but I thought that Veretu should have been sent off. I thought that Roma was lucky too with the ref. So I'm not sure that it's, you can blame the ref for this defeat, honestly. Just on that refereeing decision, and I'm assuming the one that Mourinho had the biggest issue with, I, th- I think it's fair to say, was the penalty award. Um I thought it was a penalty, Tommy. What was your view on it? Uh, he certainly makes contact with Ibra before the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, if I if I had to decide, I probably would have given it. Um, but it's one of those as it, it is a bit is a is a close call. Um, with, with VAR, we've seen um, you know it's a bit of a controversial topic, really. Like if you if you look every if you look at um, um, you know any play during the game with with a slow motion camera, you will see contact everywhere. So yeah. even you know if that happened in midfield, would have been given as a foul, uh, probably yes. Um, so that means that it should probably be a penalty. It's a bit of a grey error to me. I, to be fair, I, I don't. I'm not sure what I stand. Sometimes I see some penalties. Um, there was one recently I saw. Um, I think was, yeah, the, against um, for for Napoli the for OC men in the in, not the last game but the one before when they won three 0 against Bologna, the second one uh, it was a very soft one again but there was contact so um, again if I had to decide in, in, in the Roma situation I probably would have given it but 
it's a very close one, but yeah, like yeah. what we sort of said, it's, it's not it's not one of those things that you can hang on to that we lost because of that. I agree, it's a bit soft, and, I, and if I'd been a fan, I've been I would have been angry as well, but I wouldn't be complaining we lost because of that, or you know, he was a huge he was a huge factor in the game. Yeah, it changed a little bit, but there was other issues. That's what I'm saying. Vittorio, yeah, he also gone. Go, go ahead, mate. Come. Sorry, uh, there are too many soft penalties. So, you know, if you see the full study up this season, you see a lot of soft penalty given. This wasn't the first one and it won't be the last one, which I think it's wrong because this soft penalty, I, I can understand that with VR, as Tommy was saying, you can see hundreds of, of contacts in the penalty box and you should give hundreds of penalty. I think the penalty has to be a little bit harder. The contact has to be harder than that. And I think Mourinho was blaming the ref because it happened pretty much the same thing in the in the Milan area with Pellegrini and uh, Kier, I think, and they didn't give the penalty. I think this soft penalty has... They have to change. You cannot give this soft penalty. But if you start, then you have to give them all, right? Because uh, Inter had a penalty against Lazio and that was soft and they gave that. So after that, I think you have to give them all. So this is the problem we have now with VR. So I think it was a penalty, but then it, probably Roma should have gotten one with Pellegrini uh, in the second half. But again, Veretout should have been sent off. There have been other fouls that I don't understand. So blame the referee. It's, it's not a solution. It's, you're hiding your problems. Just before we, we wrap up, Roma are in fourth place in the division, right? Which is where they would be aiming to finish come the end of the season if everything went well. I think, as Tommy said, if they finished in the top six, I think that would be a good season or a, a relatively good season. They are where they are now. And I wouldn't be too concerned about Roma's results. But I think there are just other signs of Mourinho being Mourinho again. And first of all, it's that refereeing thing where we keep pointing to every single decision and using it to deflect away from the shortcomings of the team. But also, Vittorio, he's been talking recently about the pressure he's under from the press in Rome and that it's making it not an, a comfortable place to work or manage. I think that's what he said. Is there just signs that the public opinion of him in Rome is, I'm not going to say turning because, as I say, the team are in a pretty decent position, but are people starting to say, oh yeah, that that's Mourinho, isn't it? We kind of got charmed at the beginning and forgot all about that. Like he did at Spurs, like he did when he went to United. He does it everywhere. He, he kind of makes out he's reinvented himself. And then we see the same things happening again. Is he feeling under pressure? It, is the Rome press being harsh on him, in your opinion? Because you're obviously there. Uh, well, uh, Rome is a very difficult city to win. Uh, it's It's very complicated because... When you win, you're a hero, you're a legend. When you lose, then you're an idiot. So it's very difficult. But I think Mourinho created this issue because uh, last week he said there are four or five players who are not worthy to play in Serie B. And so Kumbula, it's, uh, it's out. Uh, Borca Mayoral, last, last year was top scorer or one of the top scorer of this team. He's not playing anymore. This is <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Villar, who was starting uh, midfield last year, again, He's not even on the bench. So Roma already hasn't got that many options. If you add to this, that Mourinho decided that these four or five players are not worthy to play for, for the team, it's going to be an issue. Let's not forget that Roma paid 20 million last year for Kumbulla, and now he's not even on the bench. So 
I think we are seeing Mourinho again, right? He's keep playing those 11 players, saying that he hasn't got any option, which is wrong. And the question mark is, now they're fourth, as you mentioned, but we're in November. You have to be fourth at the end of May. And if you play always the same 11 players, you won't make it because in February, this team will be gone, done. And uh, so what would you do in the coming, in the next month or so? Yeah, another pattern of the typical Mourinho journey is, is like, as, as you mentioned, is blaming his own players. Um, which, yeah, I don't, I don't think a manager should do it. One of the funny, yeah. funny comments he made, I think it was against Juventus when they asked him, "Why did you play Karlsdorp that was that was injured? That he wasn't really ready to play." It was like, "Well, my other options, what are they? Kumbula and Calafiori." As in, what you're trying to do? Do you want me to play like a, you know a guy I found on the street? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's funny, yeah. It's, and they signed Kumbula just one year ago, twenty million euros. It's not that they got it cheap. He's young, twenty million euros. The team. The company invested on this player, and you just said, "No, he's rubbish. He cannot play even in Serie B." I mean, yeah, I'd rather play the ninja player than Kumbula. Yeah, <laughs> Borca Mayoral. How many goals did he score last year? He didn't play a single minute this year. I mean, that's crazy, and no one's saying nothing. Well, now the fans are starting saying, "Hey, what the hell?" I, last year, Borca Mayoral was scoring. He was better than Zeko, and now he's the third option. And 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 at the same time, you have to say. Abraham scored two goals this season. Yep. Could it be that much better than Borca Mayoral? Two goals. Shomurodov as well. Was, was bought for another 15, 20 millions, was it? Shomurodov. And he also yeah. not really playing, not really performing. Yeah, there are lots of issues. Um, uh, yeah, just after the first initial grey moment spell, the grey spell, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's not in a great position at the moment. Let, no, let's not forget not. Roma spent 90 million euros this summer. 90 much more than than Lazio, etc. 90 millions. And they're there. They're the same team of last year, pretty much. So, you know, they spent a lot of money. For what? For who? I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. But I, I think, Tommy, you hit the nail on the head as well when you said that it's the typical Mourinho journey. And I, and I think all the points Vittorio made are brilliant as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, over the course of the season. We're going to leave it there. Brilliant episode. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to Vittorio. How can people uh, keep up to date with your brilliant work via social media? Well, you can follow me at Lazio Lounge, the English podcast about Lazio. So plenty of things to talk about and you can join me there. Brilliant stuff. Tommy, how can people keep up to date with you, mate? So on Twitter, Tommy Mila. And um, now that I don't work for a club anymore, I can actually uh, write more <laughs> of my opinions. Good stuff. Good stuff. Look forward to reading some of them. We'll be back very, very soon with another edition of Simply Serie A. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Spread the word. And until next time, take care. Goodbye.